Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Darren Urban joins me. It's not just a football Friday, but a football Friday after a much-needed win and a win at home. The defense threw a pick party, while the offense looked a lot different with DeAndre Hopkins back on the field. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 606, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So the previous two Thursday night games, Darren, weeks five and six, over those eight quarters of football, did some research, 40 points scored with two touchdowns. Week seven, Thursday night, Cardinals and Saints, 76 points scored with nine touchdowns. Amazon Prime has to be very happy that, hey, there was something to watch on Thursday that everybody's not going to make the story the next day how terrible Thursday night football was. And I find it interesting that because I believe it was your question to Kyler Murray earlier in the week about how things had gone the previous two Thursdays, and his quote was, we'll try not to keep that standard going. Now, they did get some help from the defense, but overall I think the Cardinals' offense did make sure that that standard did not continue. They scored 28 points and actually uh, 30 points, I guess, if you count the two-point conversion on the one of the uh, – return kicks i mean i i think i I agree with cliff kingsbury you know i think he said after the game something along the lines of it was good it wasn't great offensively and we need to keep getting better and he's right i mean there were still holes you could see but it was in a better place and again they scored 28 touchdowns and or 20 touchdowns that would have been a record yeah uh 28 points so I think that's a good step in the right direction, and they won, and now they get a mini-buy over the weekend and kind of refresh going into Minnesota. 42-34, the final. The Cardinals beat the Saints, improved to three and four. More on that record in a moment. But just watching back Kingsbury's post-game press conference, you could just see on his face the level of disappointment with how things went offensively despite what they were able to do. And, he did not like the red zone execution, even though they were only three of four, but it was that first drive where they had to settle for a field goal and third downs, three of 10 after going four of 16 last week. So things are trending in the right direction. And how much of that now do we point to, hey, DeAndre Hopkins is back on the field, back within this offense, and that is the re- reason for this offense being what it was on Thursday? I mean... Craig, you've always been a big driver of the whole, hey, what what happens when Hopkins gets back? And if it looks a lot better with Hopkins back, you're you're going to swing less towards, hey, Hopkins made this all work better and more like, hey, why weren't things working better when you had time to plan without Hopkins? I, I, I will say this. I, I think it looked better. I don't think it looked great. And and. That isn't a knock on anything, and I would, I, you know, again, they scored 28 points. I think that means something. Um, but it was heavily reliant on DeAndre Hopkins, even though he came back 14 targets. And and he had more receiving yards than all the other pass catchers combined. And, you know, that kind of makes you hesitate a little bit just because that's a lot of eggs in one basket. 
that said, having Hopkins out there did make a difference. It clearly made a difference during the week. You could tell it made a difference during the week when you talked to people and how things were going, and it played out that way on the field. One player, not a quarterback, should not make that big of a difference. That's my contention with this offense, especially since you've known since April, at least publicly, that he was not going to be available for the first six games of the regular season. But having DeAndre Hopkins just makes things easier for everyone. Play calling, reading defenses, it just opens up everything across the board, and I liked how it looked. Now it's – Okay, can you build upon this? And now what do you do? Because not every single week, sorry, D-Hop, you're not going to get those targets each and every week. And I don't think – Well, you wouldn't think defenses would let you. True. Yeah. And the Saints played a lot of man coverage, even without their top two corners on the field. Which they had hardly any corners by the end of the game. But I'll say this, even when Hopkins doesn't get targeted, he had three defensive holding penalties – that he was able to draw, two of which negated Kyler Murray's sacks. So it's even whenever number 10 is on the field, yeah. good things tend to happen. Oh, yeah. I, I, again, and I, you and I talked about this on different platforms, but it's like the, the bottom line is he's a great wide receiver. He's probably headed to Canton, you would think, or he's going to be in the discussion. Yeah, that putting a guy like that back on the field is going to matter. And and I we we have a lot of conversations, but sometimes I think it just boils down to that. You had a great player coming back. Uh you know, it was his own doing that he wasn't there in the first place, but I mean I I just I'm not necessarily I I guess I'm a little surprised with maybe how many targets he got given how long it's been since he played, but you know what? He kind of foreshadowed that last last week this is all this week he he foreshadowed it earlier in the week when he said you know or kyler did or whoever did when they were talking about um that first game in san francisco where they barely practiced together and and then all of a sudden he's targeted however many times 17 times and catching 14 balls in san francisco i mean it felt a little bit like that and you know you you want some things to click in some other areas but I mean again he's your a number one great receiver um there's there's no question in my mind he has not dropped off at all I I think that was another thing some people wondered like and and they they felt a little burned after Patrick Peterson got suspended and then he came back and he didn't play super well and people were like well what well, you know maybe Hopkins is the same thing maybe this and that and instead he looked to me like the same old DeAndre Hopkins, which is exactly what this team needs. You surprised by how much he played, even though that was a big talking point going into the week, looking at the snap count, 61 of the 66 offensive snaps. Now, he said he was prepared for it, Yeah, but that seems like an awful lot. But to your point, number one wide receiver, what are you going to do with him? Well, you're going to play him. Well, and again, if you're not playing A.J. Green and you're you're, you're just trying to work Robbie Anderson in, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of choices. You only had so many receivers you could put in there at the at that point. And I, I, I'm really, I'm not surprised. I mean, again, football is, you can't simulate football, as Hop liked to say. But, I mean, if you're in shape, you should be able to, to run out there a bunch of times. And, I mean, it's not like he's running fly patterns on every possession. 
Hopkins said he wasn't winded during the game, but then he mentioned that, yeah, I might need these 10 days to get ready, my body ready for this next game against the Vikings. The one interesting note about how Hopkins was utilized, next-gen stats, and we talk about moving Hopkins around. Predominantly, we've seen him play on the left side, but he played four different receiving receiver alignments on Thursday. He had three different alignments all of last season, and I think that might be the next development or formation of this offense, making sure Hopkins doesn't get just told, all right, line up wide left, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I, it, it's funny that so much has always been made about that, and then all of a sudden he comes back in, and um, they they do move him around, and he did catch, I, I don't know what the exact totals, but it was about half and half, I think, where he caught his passes. His, re, his catch chart looked pretty Balance, balance. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's super important, and I, and I, I have noticed some different stuff. They have tried to move Hop around. Um, the you you can see pre snap. There's there's times when Rondale Moore is going in motion, or even Greg Dortch. I mean, they they're trying to do I think a few different things. Doesn't always work. Hasn't always clicked. Um, but I I, I think. They're trying to 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 fix some things, and and again, does that start with Hop? Is it just coinciding that things kind of came to a head where you had to make some changes at the same time Hop was coming back? I don't think I I, I don't think that the Cardinals coaches and Cliff Kingsbury just sat back and said, "Well, Hop's back. We're going to do everything exactly the same. We're just dropping him in." I do think there was an effort made beyond that to try and jumpstart what's ailing this offense. Well, part of that might have been how Rondell Moore was utilized and the fact that we did not see A.J. Green at all, at least on the football field. He was standing on the sideline without his helmet the entire game. I went back and looked, and from what I can tell, it's the first time that he has been active on game day and has not played a single snap in his career. Yeah. And I'm just wondering now – Kingsbury mentioned that's just how it kind of worked out. I'm interested to see if that's how things continue going forward. I'll do respect to Cliff Kingsbury. I understand why he's going to say that. You don't want to make it a big thing. But usually uh, you don't go from 60 to 0 instead of 0 to 60. Uh, You know, A.J. Green was playing a significant amount of snaps every game, and then he went to none, and he's not hurt. And he not only did he not play yesterday, but I mean, we're not talking about like he's sitting there in his helmet or holding, even holding his helmet over near, you know, where the offensive players are being shuttled in every play. He was 15 yards away from them almost the whole time, kind of watching it, you know, doing the, the whole look where you kind of tuck your hands <laughs> underneath your shoulder pads up by your neck. Um, I mean, I'm sure he knew what was coming. He had to have. And, and I think... Unfortunately, A.J. Green's to the point in his career where he's he hasn't been as effective as everybody would like. And, you know, I think between Robbie Anderson walking, and I think Robbie Anderson's ultimately going to be what really hurts here because you had Hopkins coming in. I, I think A.J. Green was going to be, his playing time was going to be in trouble anyways because with Hop coming back and with Hollywood Brown out there, who's obviously not, um, you know, that was something that was going to be impacted. And, and, and as we talk about it, what what does it look like when Hollywood Brown comes back? You've got you're going to have Hop 
and Hollywood Brown and Robbie Anderson and Rondell Moore. And that doesn't even count Greg Dortch, who had a touchdown and probably is deserving of some playing time. I mean, they're going to have too many receivers. It's a good problem to have, and you're right, I don't know how this is all going to play out in a month, month and a half, two months, however long Hollywood is out. But just looking at the snap counts, and it's clear that Rondell Moore was A.J. Green Thursday night against the Saints because he played 89% of the snaps. Dorch was on the field for 53% of the snaps, and Robbie Anderson, 12 snaps. And if- See, the funny thing is you say that about Moore, but Moore played that much last week. Moore's been playing a lot. He was in Green's role to allow Greg Dortch I to be on the football saying. field. I see what you're saying. And remember, as I pointed out to you earlier in the week, the unofficial or official depth chart that the team releases had A.J. Green or Rondell Moore. You did point that out to me. Greg. So is this something that, again, does Rondell Moore become A.J. Green, that spot to allow a Robbie Anderson and a Greg Dortch to get on the field to where you say, all right, A.J., you're going to be here. Loved having you, case of emergency, but otherwise there's just not a spot for you right now. That would be my guess. That would be my guess is, is probably how it's going to play out. We will see. And, you know, injuries still happen. And um, But if he's not playing now, and again, when Hollywood comes back, I just somebody was always going to be the odd man out. And right now it just looks like it's A.J. Green. The Dortch conversation <clears throat> kind of really grew last week because just how effective he was. So does this make Greg Dortch's mom, like, prescient? Maybe everyone knew before we did what was to come. My guess is, you know, the game plan is released, and maybe son and mother are You think discussing. Greg Dortch might have known what was going on? <laughs> I'm, sure he, I'm sure he was. But, I mean, the, just looking at the numbers, when you – yes, Rondell Moore's a second-round pick, and Greg Dortch is a great story, but who's more effective? And it had been Greg Dortch. Yes, Rondell Moore was hurt, but he comes back and wasn't as effective. And Dortch all of a sudden sitting on the sideline wondering, why am I not playing? I'm better. I have shown that I am better than what is currently out on the football field. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. And, you know, he got a touchdown yesterday. Uh, and, and I think that's still a great story. And, you know, I, I, again, if Cliff Kingsbury bigger picture is going to talk about, hey, maybe – I would consider giving up play calling if it meant wins or whatever. I mean, that that ends up going up and it should go up and down the whole way. I mean, if the coach is willing to give up something like that, it's probably going to impact players too. And if if they decide that player X is going to be better out on the field than player Y – then player X is going to get that playing time. And and I I think that's kind of where they are. I mean, in theory, that's what you're always supposed to be doing, but we all know that that's not always the case. Well, what happens now – at running back based off how you know Benjamin looked I think Cliff made that very clear didn't he, he did he made it Correct. very very clear and I, that's why I asked the question James Conner is still RB1 and it was I mean I was never anticipating that kind of a change based off one game but I understand why the question was asked because I know I understand the fan base is going to ask that ASU product. Let's see more of Eno Benjamin. Because, I'm here for the people. Chris. Yes, yes, you are. You, you, you have made that very, very clear. Like, much like Cliff Kingsbury, because you knew if it wasn't asked on Thursday, how many questions in the mailbag were you going to get about? Probably Eno Benjamin. That's fair. But go I back. Still might. That's true. But go back to how well this offense performed last year when you had two running backs, different running backs, in Connor and Chase Edmonds. Can Eno Benjamin be Chase Edmonds to where maybe you don't see a lot of playing time, 
But when both are healthy, the offense is moving along. No, and and that's that's what's going to be fascinating to see because when last year there it felt like there was more of a split between Chase Edmonds and James Conner in terms of playing time. Now James Conner is getting when he's healthy the the vast bulk of the the plays, and I'm wondering if that shifts a little bit. Maybe James Conner's still RB one, but instead of getting 65 percent of the plays, he's getting 55 percent of the plays. And you go, you know, 40% with Eno, and then, I don't know. I mean, Darrell Williams is still in this mix, too. And I think Keontae Ingram has shown some things. All it tells me is you've got some options for the future. You're in good shape now, and you got some options for the future. You know, the, the big question for me now is, like, you know, do you just – I. Well, the, you know what? We're not going to get into this. This is cover two. I don't need to be talking about next year's running back offseason. You want to go through the uh, I was going to start going to say, the contracts, and we don't, need to, we don't need to do that. Well, you paid a lot of money to James Conner. Yeah. Eno Benjamin's going to be a free agent. Jonathan Ward's going to be a free agent. Daryl Williams is going to be but a free Eno agent. does Eno have one more year? Does he have another year? Uh, he was drafted in 20. And all those guys signed four-year yeah, deals. That's true. So, so he's got, got one, one more year. So you're, I mean, you're, you're set – at running back, and you like what Keontae Ingram – I'll say this. He is – when he's in open space, there was that one play where he made three, four guys miss. And even him post-game – Was that talk, the catch or the run? That was the catch. Okay. The catch was pretty amazing. And that's another dynamic I mean, not the catch, but the run after the catch. You need to be able to do both, especially in this offense as a running back. Not only run between the tackles, but show that you're capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. And I think – the Cardinals, from a talent standpoint, have that in both Connor Benjamin and Keontae Ingram. I, I, I like that trio, but Jonathan Ward's on IR. Daryl Williams is banged up. What happens? You kept five for a reason. And well, again, you, you get to the point where it's like you're you're playing who you think is the best, and that is what is going to end up happening. And I think there's so many things that James Connor brings to the table that they love. But the other thing, too, is he, even once he comes back, you know, does he stay healthy? You know, you're going to need those other guys. So, you know, again, it's NFL is so year to year. And right now we question why they kept all the running backs. And right now it seems like it paid off for them. Speaking of health here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we switch to the defense, the offensive line, Billy Price gets the starts at center. Max Garcia leaves the game early. Cody Ford pressed into duty. And I know you're surprised that he was, one, eligible for that game on Thursday yeah. and then, B, played. But what do you do now on the offensive line? Because, as I noted to you during the game last night, Rodney Hudson walking up and down that sideline, a noticeable limp. I don't know when, if at all, we see Hudson back on the football field. Well, I think I think Billy Price is probably going to be your center for now. The Cody Ford thing is interesting. I mean, Pew's done. Now you don't know what's going to happen with Max Garcia. Um, Cody Ford played 53 snaps, which is ramping up real quick considering he really hasn't practiced. Um, I was looking right before we came on here with the pro football focus grades. I know those aren't the end-all, be-all. Cody Ford didn't have the greatest grade. He really didn't have a great grade run blocking, and that's you know what you're hoping to get. You know, I sometimes and and I know there were times against the Saints Thursday night and I'm not saying these were Cody Ford I don't know 
but there was a couple times where there was like a jailbreak on a on a run play, and it was just like I mean, at one point Keontae Ingram had eight carries for ten yards, and that included an eleven yard run. So that's not ideal. Um, you know, you and and again, that's not always on the offensive line, but there was definitely times where there was no room to run. So. Um, they're going to have to figure some stuff out. Cody Ford's a great example of, of trying to – I mean, that's a guy who is going to be a free agent. And I think one of the reasons they traded for him – and they traded a fourth-round pick for him? Yeah. I mean, you would think you'd want him for more than just this year. You've barely seen him. So is he going to do enough for you to say, I want to make sure I sign him going forward? Uh, that's a fascinating proposition. DJ Humphreys also did not finish that game. Yeah. His midsection was wrapped, and I don't, hopefully it's nothing serious. Josh Jones ended up playing left tackle to close out that game. But not only did we see this offense huddle a little bit more, which Kyler mentioned post game, but it seemed like there was more movement on that offensive line as far as DJ Humphreys pulling to the middle of the line and making some great blocks to Spring and Eno Benjamin. Just seemed to be. Again, didn't always look great as far as the results, but there was enough moving parts that overall the offense looked a lot better. Now, again, how much is that DeAndre Hopkins and how much is this coaching staff going six games in? We're not doing anything. We have to do something to change it because it hasn't worked. I think there's a little of of a lot of that. I mean, again, moving some of those offensive linemen around in space. I think there was a play early in the game where Eno had to get a first down, I think, and they – got Humphreys I mean he wasn't pulling because he wasn't going across but he so he was going left to his left he's a left half going to his left but he was basically working as a the personal protector of Eno and he got out there and it was impressive I mean he was athletic when he got out there and it and it worked and the, the play worked and um you know I again I think doing what you can to kind of like you say, kind of figure some stuff out. Aside from the Hopkins thing, I think is super important right now. Defensively, this was statistically not a great game. 34 points, almost 500 yards of offense allowed. But as Vance Joseph likes to say, yards don't really matter that much. What do you do inside the 20-yard line? And I know he's not going to be happy on those last couple of touchdowns late in the game, but how much of that was just human nature? The guys relaxing a little bit, wanting that clock to click down to zero so they could walk off the field for the first time in almost a year at home with the win. So the big takeaway is literally that, the three interceptions and the two pick sixes. But for me, the best takeaway was Antonio Hamilton's end zone interception yeah. because at that point, if that scores, now you're down 14-3. to three. And, yeah, the pick sixes give you points, but I think that first one was perhaps maybe the best of the three. I would – maybe not the best, but the most important. Most important, yeah. The, but not the best looking, yeah. but the most important interception. Um, yeah. I, I Look, the defense is going to watch this tape and wish they did some things differently. I don't think there's any question about it. They gave up a lot of long passes to a – let's face it – a mid-quarterback throwing to, other than a first-round draft pick, a lot of guys that, I mean, Kevin White got a 64-yard catch and run. Kevin White. Former Arizona former, Cardinal uh, Kevin White. Former Arizona Cardinal great from the training camp of 2019? 20? Yes, 20, I believe it was 2019. He was here briefly 
I remember interviewing it him was the after off an offseason in, in training yes. camp. It was, I think it was Cliff Kingsbury's first. By game. the way, he looked every bit as fast as we've all seen him, yeah. and it was yeah, nice he's 64 been a 64-yard catch and run. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think um, it didn't look super pretty. They made the plays when they needed to. They were owed one. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I think this defense was owed one. They were owed one where they didn't play all that great, and the offense picked them up. And let's face it, the defense still scored two touchdowns themselves, so that counts. Although, can I just stay for the record? I put out there that it's the first time the Cardinals had 40 points under Cliff Kingsbury, and you got all these people saying. I had one person tweet at me. He didn't. He doesn't deserve it because the the uh, the defense scored two touchdowns. Somebody else said, "Yeah, but the defense scored two touchdowns." I'm like, "What? What do you? What? I don't. He's I don't the head coach. He's the, the head coach. Yeah, that's." That's part of the team. I'm, I I was confused on people trying to argue that, which I know why they're arguing that. It's it's disingenuous, but that I know why they're arguing it. Um, so the defense getting points is a, is a huge thing, and I didn't get the sense, to be honest, that the, I mean the defense is going to say they needed to play better. I didn't get the sense that they were all busted up, that they didn't play better. Now they won. You know, the, the Simmons interception was fantastic. The Marco Wilson one, the run back was cool and the jump. Marco was lucky that went through the guy's hands. I mean, he was open. He was going to get a big gainer if it doesn't go right through the hands. And Marco just happened to be in the right place, right time. And, I, you know, sometimes you need breaks like that. And and I don't, you know, I don't, you know, somebody, I heard somebody talking about, well, if it wasn't for those two interceptions, the Cardinals would have been in trouble. I'm like, yeah, but there were the two interceptions. You don't get to you don't get to play that game. You don't get to say, well, if this didn't happen, I mean, you can, but it makes no sense. Then, you know, that's that's like the Saints on the other side saying, well, if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't come back, yeah, doesn't quite work that way. Two weeks ago, Vance Joseph was asked what the next step was for his defense, and he talked about making game-changing plays. So three game-changing plays when you're talking about takeaways and there were some pass breakups, pass deflections, especially on third down. Zach Allen had another pass defense. To, I mean, the man from a defensive line spot might be on his way to 10 pass breakups this season, which would be unheard of. I like what this defense is doing because, Darren, if you look at it, it's outside of J.J. Watt, it's all draft picks. Yeah. It's all homegrown talents. Yeah, you sprinkle in a Ben Neiman and a Tanner Vallejo, but of the 14 players that had 33% of the snaps, 11 of them were draft picks. Look, that is that is encouraging. Cam Thomas played 24 snaps yesterday. MyJ Sanders was up to 16. MyJ Sanders missed a bad tackle, and yeah. there, there are things that are going to have to get better. I noticed Cam Thomas, a number of his snaps were – Essentially, as an interior lineman, if you're talking about a three-four defense, um, which is where they're where his, I think his football life is headed, which makes sense. Um, but I, I, I think getting those draft picks to work, having them play well again, they won. That I agree with you. The 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 defense got soft on the last touchdown drive because they were just trying to make the Saints eat clock. It's still a little concerning because if you give up an onside kick. At yeah. the very end, they're going to have a chance to potentially tie. And the way that game was going, it never should have been that close. But I'm picking at nits right now, Craig. 
Zayvon Collins, once again, 100% of the snaps for the fourth straight game. He led the team in tackles with nine, second straight week. He's been the top tackler on the defense. And Isaiah Simmons, uh, his postgame conversation with Paul Calvisi was enlightening just because of his response on that interception. And Simmons talking about playing within the scheme not trying to do too much, and that's been the biggest criticism of him the past couple of years is he likes to make the wow plays, make the highlight plays as opposed to just the normal first quarter play to get a tackle and let the game come to him. That interception, one, it was an outstanding play one-handed, but he was basically playing middle of the field, reading Andy Dalton's eyes, and then figuring out where to go as opposed to kind of looking around and say, all right, let me get this ball and get the takeaway so that I think might be the next step for an Isaiah Simmons to realize where he fits and continues as Cliff mentioned getting refocused after week one wouldn't it be something Craig if by the end of the season they're not there yet but if by the end of the season Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins turned into basically exactly what the Cardinals (laughs) were thinking they could be all along two tall trees in the middle of the defense that would be pretty amazeballs it's the being patient with young players, something Vance Joseph talked about earlier in the week and we discussed. On Nobody the wants to be patient. Exactly. That you, you, Everyone in the offseason, yes, patience is a wonderful world. And then once the regular season begins, week one, it's, oh, you're a bust, get them out, find someone else. I mean, Kyler might yell at you if you're not patient. Yes. You want to get into that, no, the conversation just saying. between quarterback and head coach? I mean, I, I was I – was, I was impressed how they handled it post game, but it did remind me, you know, I'm I'm an old head now, so you <laughs> and know, older than me. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I get where everybody was coming from. Kyler basically said he was he was basically telling Cliff to chill out in a, in a demonstrative when, when, when using a naughty word. Yes. So okay. I get that, but as an older person that has had younger people tell me to chill out before, that doesn't, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be curious to know. I mean, Cliff said it is what it is, and it's the heat of battle. We'll see what happens. I, I would have to know exactly more what's going on. A long time ago, in my former life, I was I was coaching a basketball team of high school freshmen. It was like a rec team, and and actually not freshmen they were probably juniors by then they weren't great players but we we were a decent team and one of the players did something which i had gotten and he he came to the bench and i'm like i started explaining i started getting on him for doing it and he goes i know i know i know and and i i did tell him i'm like well if you knew why didn't you do it and and that's 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 i felt like that was a little bit of the kyle like i know i know i know in a much more heated way and I'm sure Cliff is thinking, well, if you know, you know, I don't know exactly what happened. The way it was explained, the way it kind of came down, the way even Kyler kind of took a little yes. bit. Of, it sure sounded like Kyler probably could have done was to blame for it, I guess. But it's it's the magic of those primetime games with all the extra cameras, though. It feels like Kyler and Cliff always get caught on something when they're on a primetime game. So I guess now we mark the time until Mexico City and see what else happens. It's 
one of two ways. One, you like the passion between the head coach and the quarterback, and the other side, it's oh, you got the quarterback disrespecting the head coach, and it gets captured on film. And you go back to the sideline demeanor of Kyler Murray that's been dogging him since he first arrived. Bottom line is they handled it post game fine, and Kyler took more responsibility and something he doesn't quite do a whole heck of a lot as far as post game, putting it on his shoulders versus others so i liked that aspect of it, it. It, it obviously not the same thing in a lot of ways but it reminded me a little bit of the jordan Poole, draymond green thing from the standpoint of this stuff happens more than people think yes. it, when it gets caught on camera and becomes a national story then people want to talk about it um it does get handled it doesn't mean everything is always hunky-dory between the two parties but you make it work and you know, again, <laughs> I can say for a fact there were a number of times when there were players that weren't happy with B.A., you know, when Bruce Arians was here. That happens. I'm a boss. I'm it usually doesn't always happen to my face, but I'm sure there are times <laughs> when some of the people I oversee aren't big fans of mine. You make it work. I would never disrespect Darren Urban. As far as I know. Exactly. As far as you know. By the way, it might not, that sideline exchange might not get talked about. It's not going to get talked a lot about maybe on this Friday because of what happened late in the game nationally. And I don't know if Amazon Prime are big fans of an Adam Schefter and even Ian Rappaport, <laughs> considering it was the fourth quarter and all of a sudden you look and everyone's waiting. For, I'm listening to, to, to Dave Passion, Ron Wolfley, on the broadcast. And at one point, Dave literally pauses and goes, is there a uh, blue check mark? Is it the blue check mark there? Okay. All right. I'm just going to read this as it's stated. And we get the news that, Christian McCaffrey is now in the NFC West, acquired by the 49ers, who the Cardinals still have yet to play, and now get Christian McCaffrey three times, maybe four this year, if there's maybe. a postseason meeting. Well, I mean. Unless he gets traded again? No. Or, or unless he gets hurt. That's, oh, yeah. That's Isn't that the thing right now? I mean, yeah, they get, they got to play the 49ers two more times, but and, and they might see Christian McCaffrey two more times in addition, but – they handled them pretty decently the first time. Now, much different situation in 49ers than the Panthers. But, um, that's his, again, he's got to stay healthy. And he has not been able to do that. So, we'll see We'll see what happens. The 49ers sure seem like they're pushing a lot of chips in the middle of the table with this one. A second, third, and fourth round pick in 2023. A fifth round selection in 2024. And, yeah, going all in or whatever you want to call it. Every team wants to win but considering that once upon a time this team was led by Trey Lance he gets hurt which might be the best thing that's happened to that 49ers team as far as a capable quarterback that has experience such a hater Craig not a hater just realist as far as what Jimmy Garoppolo can do because this 49ers team now we'll see what happens this weekend as they host the Chiefs but they health-wise if they can stay healthy they got a solid defense and a very good offense well, they haven't stayed healthy. That's yes. And they just traded for a guy. And and to me, the 49ers are like the king of the team that would be able to take guys that are just running backs and turning and turn them into productive. So I, I guess I'm a little surprised at it, but I don't know. 
I know the uh, the Rams were apparently in on the discussions too, so maybe it just came down to not only do we need a running back, but we got to make sure that this guy doesn't go to the Rams. Surprised there wasn't a first round selection no. involved in any of this. Look, bottom line, I I am definitely on the you got to be super careful about paying running backs these days because they don't stay healthy and their shelf life is short. And you know, Derrick Henry is one of the outlers or or how Adrian Peterson was. But for the most part, guys get banged up, and it's an unfortunate part of the job, and it, it, I'm not taking – it's not a personal thing for me. I just I just don't get it, and I don't understand. You know, he's, he's very manageable this year, Christian McCaffrey, but if they keep him going forward, it's $12 million a year for a guy who may or may not be healthy. And I don't know if, I don't know if anybody needs that at a running back position right now. By the way, 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams, all 3-3. Three and three. Rams are off this week. Seahawks are at the Chargers. 49ers host the Chiefs. You could very well be looking at three teams at 3-4 three and four with the Rams at 3-3. Three and three. That's why Thursday night, the difference between 3-4 and four and 2-5 and five looms so large. The Cardinals still right there within the division and the rest of the NFC. I mean, the, yeah. this that Thursday night win over the Saints – regardless of how it happened against whom, was absolutely huge. No, they, they had to have it to stay in the race. Now, I'm not getting ahead of anything. They're still winless in the division. Uh, they got a lot of important games left. Their next game is against a very good Vikings team. Well, record-wise, a very good Vikings team. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But at 2-5, and five, it would have been a disaster. So 3-4 uh, and four is, is very doable. You're still in it. But you're still, to me, very much about it's not about scoreboard watching as much as getting your own house in order. By the way, you're going to do the Jordan Hicks story next week? Patrick <laughs> Peterson story next week? Again? <laughs> the Patrick Peterson <laughs> story again. Patrick Peterson apparently has been playing pretty well. He's got, what I look at it, uh, I think he leads the team in passive defense. He's got an interception. Jordan Hicks is the leading tackler on the Vikings team. So changes teams but continues to be productive. And yeah. Nick Vigil's on I know, IR, I know so there's five no, and one, right? Five and one, yeah. Yeah. So we can't have the Nick Vigil revenge game either. Darn it. Battle of inside linebackers. It's perfect storyline for you on EasyCardinals.com. Why well, you got to be a hater? You are such a hater. Now you got to come up with a different storyline, but you have extra time because you have a free weekend, Darren. And I'm going to use it, baby. Big plans? Mm, no. No. Okay. Well, there's still time. No, there's not. No? Okay. I'm just going to enjoy not having to go anywhere on a Sunday. Final score on Thursday, 42-34. to 34. Cardinals get the win. And, yes, a victory Friday here on Cardinals Cover 2. Darren, appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you can go uh, you can have the rest of the day off and the rest of the weekend off. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, boss. Yes. See? I'm a good boss. Darren, maybe not so much. <laughs> On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Darren Urban, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.